Hello and welcome to the second episode of Finance Digest, your finance podcast focusing on addressing and discussing the most prominent issues in the financial markets. This is Rahul. And this is Joe. This episode, we shall be focusing on special purpose acquisition companies, also known as SPACs. A special purpose acquisition company is a company with no business operations or assets. Its only purpose is to raise capital through an initial public offering, with an aim to use the funds to merge with or acquire an existing company with an operating business. The merger or acquisition target is unspecified. Thus, these companies are also referred to as blank check companies, as investors have no idea what company they're ultimately investing in. An initial public offering, or an IPO, is a process by which a private company goes public by selling its shares on a stock exchange in order to raise capital. The management team of the SPAC usually has 24 months after floating the SPAC to identify a target company and complete the acquisition in a process called DSPAC. The minimum fair market value of the target company must be at least 80% of the SPAC's trust assets, though typically the target company is two to five times larger. If the DSPAC transaction cannot be completed within this time frame, or if it's not approved and an extension is voted down, then the funds of the SPAC IPO plus accrued interest will be returned to investors. When a SPAC goes public, it becomes a publicly listed shell company with cash pre-merger and post-merger, the shareholders of the original SPAC become shareholders in the target operating company, which also becomes publicly listed without going through an IPO. Effectively, SPAC investors are buying the target company's IPO in advance without knowing what the target company is or the price that will be paid. However, SPAC deals are usually structured so that investors have the option of backing out if they dislike the target company in a process that Joe will explain. In a SPAC IPO, public investors are sold units, each unit consisting of one share of common stock and a fraction of a warrant to purchase a share of common stock in the future. The warrants are exercisable either 30 days after the DSPAC transaction or 12 months after the SPAC IPO, and only whole warrants are exercisable. The purchase price is, tradition- is traditionally $10 per unit, although there are exceptions, such as the record-breaking Pershing Square T- Tontines uh, SPAC IPO which was listed at $20 per unit, raising more than $4 billion. 100% of the IPO proceeds go to a trust account. These funds can only be released to fund the acquisition of the target company or to cover transaction expenses and working capital of the new combined company, or to fund liquidation of the SPAC in the event of the DSPAC transaction being unsuccessful, which is when SPAC investors get their money back at the SPAC IPO price, usually $10 per unit. Effectively, SPAC investors have limited downside exposure because they are entitled to vote in favour for or against the DSPAC transaction. If the transaction is not approved and DSPAC doesn't occur, 100% of the trust account plus accrued interest is returned to the public investors, who also have the right to redeem their equity for cash if they dislike the target company, even if the DSPAC transaction is completed. Their most significant downside is the opportunity cost of potentially tying up capital for 24 months. Low risk for investors is just one of the advantages of a SPAC. Compared to traditional IPOs where the company going public has an operating business, SPAC IPOs are usually significantly faster due to its lack of commercial operations. Thus, the financial statements and prospectus filed are much shorter and can be prepared in just a few weeks. A SPAC doesn't have any financial results or assets that need to be described and disclosed. As a result, the entire SPAC IPO process can be concluded in as little as eight weeks, as opposed to several months for a traditional IPO making SPACs the ideal vehicle for a quick IPO. The target company goes public post-merger. They don't face the same scrutiny as they would if they were to undergo a traditional IPO. Thus, companies that do, not, that do wish to go public but do not meet the requirements for IPO find a SPAC to be a good alternative. Additionally, there is limited exposure to market pricing since the terms are negotiated and agreed with the SPAC. 
instead of negotiating with a large number of institutional investors as part of an IPO roadshow. The flexibility of SPACs has made them a trendy alternative. SPAC activity in 2020 has already exceeded 2019 levels, which itself was a record-breaking year for total capital raised. Year-to-date, there have been 138 SPAC IPOs globally, raising over $53 billion, representing a 253% increase over the amount raised in the whole of 2019. The boom in SPACs is partly due to the pricing certainty of SPACs, which is especially appealing in the current climate of volatility caused by COVID-19 and the looming US presidential election. The pandemic has also put a halt to IPO roadshows, which has caused a shift towards one-to-one SPAC deals rather than the one-to-many capital raises. The most successful SPAC mergers have occurred in the past few years. The $3.2 billion merger of DraftKings with the SPAC Diamond Eagle has, has resulted in a company with a market capitalization of $15 billion, with the stock price recently reaching an all-time high of $64, a hugely impressive six-fold increase from its IPO price of $10. Another successful SPAC merger is last year's $4.2 billion merger of Clarabot PLC with Churchill Capital Corp. The stock is currently trading at $29.50, nearly three times the original $10 IPO price. These two are examples that indicate the huge upside potential returns for a successful SPAC. However, the majority of SPAC mergers trade below the $10 IPO price, like Player Hotels, which is trading at just over $4. One of the criticisms of SPAC mergers is the conflict of interest between the SPAC sponsor and public shareholders of the SPAC. A SPAC sponsor is an uh, an entity that provides specialised expertise to the management team. They purchase founder shares and warrants in the SPAC by paying a nominal nominal amount of $25,000, effectively resulting in the sponsor owning a fifth of the SPAC for free. However, unlike public shares, the sponsor's founder shares are not redeemable, redeemable if the DSPAC transaction fails, thus making them worthless. Therefore, the SPAC sponsor is incentivized to complete a DSPAC transaction even if the post-merger prospects of the combined company are unfavorable, as they are likely to personally profit regardless of how the new company ultimately performs. This reduces the incentive for the sponsor to find a quality business. Today's generation of SPACs, SPAC 2.0, looks to combat this issue by providing incentive to the SPAC sponsor. The most highly valued company to be listed through a SPAC merger, DraftKing, only allowed for their founder shares to be fully vested if and when the stock price hit $16. That is, after shares have risen risen by at least 60% from the IPO price. Pershing Square Tontine Holdings, which has raised a record $4.4 billion, has completely removed the concept of founder stock and 20% promote which comes with it in a move to align the interest of public investors and the sponsor, which is Pershing Square itself. Additionally, the warrants purchased by Pershing Square are not excisable until three years after a merger is completed and the share price rises by at least 20%. SPACs 2.0 are backed by higher quality sponsors and better blue chip shareholders, which then attracts the better merger targets in the snowball effect, creating a genuinely viable alternative to a traditional IPO. This surge in SPAC activity in the US has led the London Stock Exchange Group to create a dialogue with stakeholders and regulators in an effort to lure more SPACs to London. Since 2017, only $2 billion has been raised by SPACs on the London Stock Exchange, compared to $93 billion raised in the US. This is because investing in SPACs in in the UK is a bigger gamble. When a UK SPAC announces an acquisition, the transaction is classed as a reverse takeover and the SPAC shares are suspended. Trading cannot resume until an FCA-approved prospectus is published, for which there is no deadline. In the UK, shareholder approval was not required to complete a transaction. 
Thus, SPAC investors who do not support the transaction and wish to sell their shares may find their capital locked up for a lengthy period of time. To make UK SPACs more investor-friendly, changes to rules like the share suspension are required. Thank you for listening to this episode of Finance Digest. I hope you found this both enjoyable and informative. However, from Joe and I, it's goodbye until next time. Please do subscribe to the podcast if you'd like to be notified when future episodes are released.